Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night, and we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. Today, we have a superstar here, a very special guest. Um, This is one of my favorite actors currently right now, and I'm not just saying that because you're here, obviously, but if you want to introduce yourself in the movie that we're going to talk about, um, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Sure. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, um, my name's Rahul Kohli, and I play Teddy in Next Exit. I don't know what his last name is i probably should know that uh, <laughs> that's totally skywalker. okay screw it skywalker teddy skywalker you know what that i like to rewrite already uh that's gonna be <laughs> in the special edition for the blu-ray maybe um but yeah next exit is coming out november 4th uh i can see if i can get this podcast right before that to you know promote as much as possible it's mm-hmm. a very beautiful film directed by Mali elfman and yeah your your character is incredible but i kind of want to have a little backstory about you why horror? This is one of the questions we always ask our guests is, did you have a background in horror? Did you grow up watching scary movies? I know you're very well inversed in this entire universe of horror films now and shows. Yeah. Um, no, there's no no particular reason or pull towards horror. Um, this is just a path that kind of um, kind of got carved out for me. Um I I don't have a particular allegiance to it in that respect. Um, it, it it kind of you know, I zombie was my first job, and uh, that was obviously a Vertigo comic. Um, and it just happened to be a zombie show, so like, <laughs> that was well, my fair. first job. You know, it's not like I negotiated that or. Uh, you know seeked that job out um and then that went on for five years and was like cool okay i did i did i zombie and now i have a uh a bit of a foothold in this industry and and my first summer being able to audition for new projects obviously because i was under contract um i just happened to land the haunting of bly manor Mm. um again just 
one of you know I, I knew hill house i knew it was a massive hit i knew that mike was making big moves and was was very much loved in in in, in that world um so i was like hell yeah yeah i'd love to do the sequel to hill house is that that's what it was you know right. sent to me um and then while we were doing that uh maybe a, a month in you know mike offered me midnight mass so that's job number three Mm-hmm. While we're doing Midnight Mass, Mike offered me the fall of the House of Usher, that's job number four, and then a cameo in Midnight Club, that's job number five. <laughs> and then while I was doing Midnight Mass, I got Marley's script from Mike. Um, and that just happened to be a ghost thing. So that's job number six. And then awesome. um, while I was doing Usher, I did Ghostbusters. To really hammer home the 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 spooky feel to my IMDb credits, right? The yeah. and that's the but video game been... that's coming out, right? Yeah, Spirits Unleashed. That's yeah. awesome. Um, voice Tobin, uh, Tobin Spirit Guide. But yeah, it's it's, it's not been. Um, that's not my genre. My my genre of choice as a kid was sci-fi. Oh, that's sci-fi awesome. Fan. I do like sci-fi horror. Um, and sure. Alien and Aliens being one of my favorite movies, but but um, I'm a I'm a sci-fi kid. No, I love it. I I saw that you tweeted right before you were doing the press day. It's like, hey, let's uh, talk about some Warhammer, some uh, miniature figures, and and Star Wars, right? Sure. No, yeah, it's yeah. totally about that too. I mean, I would I would love to see a horror genre Star Wars film. That would be incredible. Mm. I think they could really explore that. But yeah, would you say you became a fan of horror even more so doing these roles or, um. um because you're pretty active on the on Twitter and in social medias with like uh, the horror community, everyone loves you, and rightfully yeah. so. <laughs> you're kind of out of pocket sometimes in the greatest way too, but which makes you relatable. So yeah. it's one of those things where I feel like the horror community is something that's very inviting, so like mm-hmm. kind and genuine. Um, it's one of the best communities I've been a part of, and I've never been a horror person myself. My background's yeah. always been in movies. And I ended up doing a horror podcast and now I'm on Bloody Disgusting. It's like, all right, sometimes we fall into these things. And I love hearing all the stuff that you've been doing because it's been one thing after another and another and another. And having a job is great. Pays bills, right? It is. It does. Yeah. It pays for Warhammer. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, the, the, the horror community, like, um, obviously my first, I, I wouldn't class iZombie as that. Um, I don't feel like we were tapping into a horror community um it was the cw um mm. and it was in and amongst the greg Bellanti superhero shows and we were a comic book show but we were also we were a rob thomas show really um we were a successor to veronica mars mm, so yeah. we got a lot of the marshmallows that was that was i zombie but it was there was still romero there was still there was still that the zombie genre was in there but but the, so the, my first real kind of interaction with the horror community was 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 the haunting of Bly Manor, right. um, and yeah, I mean it's a real loyal fan base um, mm. who come alive every October, especially, um, and yeah, I mean I'm I'm very I'm very fortunate. Have I become a fan of horror? So as a gamer, um, I still played horror video games. Now that was mm. mainly because. I won't miss a good game regardless of the genre. So it could be a, an RTS, it can be a puzzle, it could be a horror, it could be a RPG, a JRPG. Doesn't matter to me. If it's good, I'm going to play it. It's my that's my 
favorite medium. Um, so I had played Silent Hill 2 and I'd played Resident yeah. Evils and I played, you know, Fear or whatever. But <clears throat> but yeah, horror had always been something I was afraid of, to be honest. Um, I'd never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I'd never watched. I, I'd seen like my dad's favorite movie or one of them, Psycho. So I'd have obviously seen that and Exorcist I'd seen at film school, but it was a genre that I wasn't particularly interested in. Um, it was more of a social genre. So mm. um Friday night movies back at mine in, in in the UK, depending on who got sent what disc from Love Film, if it happened to be a horror, all right, shit, we're all watching it together. But that that was as far as it was. Um and since then, it's I've I come from a very privileged place. So one of the things I wanted to do, being such a fan of Mike, I was and I thought it was a disservice that it had I'd gotten to midnight mass and I still hadn't really watched any of Mike's work. Mm. Um, I just watched Hill House because that was the only one that I felt pertained to me as research um, but it got to a point where he stopped kind of being my boss and my leader and my director and my friend and it was like you know you should really watch your mate's work he's pretty good at it yeah. so, so I started going through uh, Gerald's Game and Hush and, mm. and obviously Hush was written by Kate as well um, uh, and then was it Ouija I did the other uh, uh, a while back and so so through him I've developed an appreciation for the genre and I've also met um, titans in that industry so um, I, I recently met Cargill who, who wrote The Black Phone Oh yeah, great guy. I hear nothing yeah, but good things about big him. Big Warhammer boy. Yeah. Um, oh nice. We did the we did the horror nights together in in Universal, and um, I ended up being like, well, now I need to watch the Black Phone. So um, through through that, I have now become a bit of a fan, and I'm um, working my way through it. Mike gave me a list that he'd like me to see, which I could read to you. Um, yeah. Do you want to hear my yeah. list? I actually have a Which screenshot is, uh, of it recently because I was. It was so. Here's the ones that Mike wants me to see. There's only a couple on here. It is. There we are. Session nine. Hmm. Uh, the Black Coat's daughter. Oh, solid movie. Lake Mungo. Okay. And then he put down some classics. Uh, Exorcist, which I'd seen, and he put down The Thing, which I'd seen, because sci-fi horror, um, and The Fly, which I haven't Ooh, seen. Cronenberg, absolutely. Those are great picks. Yeah. And honestly, all of those movies, I, I I can't believe, like, seeing this movie, Next Exit, you got me in, yeah. the, in a very emotional state, man. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, <laughs> we, we had a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter, too. I tweeted... Um, because I, I really just watched this screener maybe about two weeks ago. I put this mm -hmm. uh, tweet out. I said, making this statement now to look back when it happens. And I tagged you. I was like, will one day win an Oscar? And I have no doubt in my mind about it. So I was talking about uh, Next Exit in that movie. Yeah. And I just couldn't talk about it yet until now. Um, and there was a scene, and I want to make sure I keep everything spoiler free so everyone can really appreciate this movie for what it is. It's a very touching film. And you have this back and forth with Katie Parker about your father. Right. And the the huge amount of emotion that comes out of your character and what you're able to do with that scene brought me to tears. So I'm like, yeah, this guy has to pay for my therapy. God damn it. But no, it's it's such a very powerful. It's almost like a drama piece in this movie. And mm. I think working with uh, Molly Elfman, 
she's able to really capture a very moving storyline that has really good specific uh, pacing and stuff like that too, but really captures really good character moments. And I mm-hmm. think that's something that's very important in this movie. And seeing your like past career until like now, I can see you just progressively getting better and better and better. I'm like, this guy yeah. for sure is going to win an Oscar. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. And like I said in the intro, um, I'm not joking when I say like, you're one of my favorite actors. You're like a person I tend to like, oh, I want to see your next project, your next project, your next project. And I just want to talk about like, how was your experience while filming this movie with like Katie Parker as your like mm-hmm. partner in crime? There's a lot of good back and forth. It felt very genuine and very grounded. What was that like? Well, firstly, thanks for the the support. And yeah, of course, um, I appreciate the tweet. I think I retweeted it or quote tweeted it or something. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah. Um, oh, uh, so th- how did I feel filming? this one um so i took so uh, the script was sent to me um actually via mike uh flanagan uh and rose mciver and my manager kimblin so i got hit three ways uh to make sure i read the script now i was in the middle of filming um uh, midnight mass mm-hmm. and i wasn't particularly interested in taking another project i'm not someone who really wants to work back to back to back to back to back um sure I have done, but it's all been kind of like it's it's not been my choice. It's been like with Mike, for instance, it's been a compulsion to want to be a part of his projects and being like, I'd love mm. to have a vacation, but I'm gonna say yes because it's Mike and it's awesome. Right. Um so while we were doing Midnight Mass, which was one of the first shows to come back during the pandemic. Um, it was a very stressful time. The show itself wasn't stressful. It was one of the most smooth sailing, funnily enough. Hmm. Um, but the character that I was playing really made me uncomfortable. I felt really insecure. I hmm. thought I was doing some of my worst work. Um, I was playing a character that we had committed to this thing where he wouldn't show too much emotion. He wouldn't allow his emotion to overwhelm him. So I was constantly playing scenes at a five or a four or a three until we got to the church. And then he was allowed to be allowed the beast to come out when, mm-hmm. when his son's threatened. And on top of that, I was, uh, I had an American accent. I was also learning Arabic and doing Islamic prayer. Um, playing this dad i think i was 33 34 he's supposed to be 41 42 something like that so i i felt like a complete fraud and it was one that i had to really be disciplined on i had to i wasn't allowed a dialect coach on set can't remember i think it was covid reasons um but i was having zoom calls a couple of days before the scene and so i felt very exposed very vulnerable and I would have to stay with the character for as long as I could. Um, and then this show came, this movie comes along and uh, would originally shoot, I think 10 days after mass would wrap or something crazy like that. And I said, no, it's, it's a straight, no, mm. I don't, I'm not taking 10 days off after doing, after doing this. Cause it's been what fly and midnight mass were back to back. Right. The pandemic, um, the first few months where we broke, but outside of that, I was project to project to project. And so I said no. And then Marley was willing to push for a couple more weeks. So I ended up with about three mm. weeks off 
from mouse i was like okay that's cool i loved the script i loved the premise but what i really really was attracted to on this project was it was the opposite to sheriff Hassan. i was a motor mouth i was <laughs> um wearing my heart on my sleeves yeah constantly showing emotion frustration joy gluttony all of those things um and i he was originally written as an american from new york and i asked marley again i was like you know we had a meeting about the script and i, I was like uh, are you willing to change it to someone from the uk because uh, that's I, I, again i didn't want it's not about being a diva it was more about just where i was at and what i right. wanted to do and and she was happy to change that because i didn't want to be bound to a dialect coach i didn't want to be bound to not being able to improv and create in the moment and be free of it instead of being worried about this because i'm not i'm not there with those accents you know um yeah and because marley made those things possible i treated this job i've been saying it and i think i've been maybe it sounds negative I, i'm sure it's going to get cut and pasted into and looks worse than it is but this was a job where i intentionally went in underprepared um as a counter to midnight mouse where i was so prepared right um i i didn't really overly learn my scripts i was staying loose with it i would wake up in the morning i didn't have makeup i had just anti-shine powder i didn't have hair i wanted teddy mm. to have so if you watch it it changes from scene to scene because it was just bedhead i didn't shave i wore the same costume bar the ch a change of t-shirt mm. um so i really wanted a stripped down easy free-flowing job um where it was just about kind of the relationship between rose and teddy um right. and being able to kind of riff on that so that was that was the, that was the job yeah i mean i appreciate you being vulnerable to talk about stuff like that too and i think it it worked for it uh it, it seems like i said when i was talking about it being more grounded more genuine it's like you just seem like an honest person just going mm -hmm. through what you guys were going through on your road trip and stuff like that it's a full-on road trip movie mm -hmm. and it has to work about your guys's relationship if the yeah. relationship is not there the movie falls apart absolutely and the thing like that you and katie parker seemed like you had a very good genuine relationship i'm sure there's some great behind the scenes stuff that you guys were actually generally friends and stuff like that and yeah. I, I think it does work for your character because in the way you're kind of just like, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're kind of playing yourself in the way. Is that right? Like you brought like your like wholesome self to the, to the screen or? No, no, it's not me. I, I am not that. Okay. No worries. I am not that happy. If someone doesn't like me, I'm very hostile. I'm, I'm That's fair. I don't, I don't knock on doors that are closed. I, I don't fuck with anyone if they don't fuck with me. It's, hey, it's that's a good way to do it too it's 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 funny because there are so many like everyone assumed i'm ravi and anyone who knows me is like he's got not he's nowhere near like ravi and then when i do bly everyone's like he must be like the owen it's like no he's not <laughs> i'm not like anyone really but i would say that you're sort of right in the sense that i have less layers on as a character mm -hmm. as as teddy intentionally um i'm 
if the sheriff is a is a full walking character where the mannerisms and the expressions where everything was thought out right um and, and meticulous um you know i was actively playing a type based of clint eastwood based of john wayne based of you know westerns i was trying to create a silhouette and a movement uh akin to that um teddy doesn't i didn't do that type of work i didn't mm-hmm. study how teddy walks or talks i i stripped away of all the ideas of um uh character and and decided to just try and allow this person's journey and words to kind of be said organically through me as a vessel so in some ways so it's not me but it's not I'm not I'm not Jared Leto in in Gaga uh, sorry in Gaga in House of Gucci I'm not buried okay. in makeup I'm not right. like oh my god you can't even tell that's Rahul like no it's absolutely me it's probably the closest to my voice um but yeah yeah I, I find it so fascinating to hear all this too because this was the performance where I'm like this guy's gonna win the Oscar I knew it and it's so funny it's like oh yeah very, you know didn't put that much effort into it I'm like well damn you are for sure gonna win the Oscar if that's well, no, the case no, no. that's not I I put effort no you put effort no, yeah, I showed up every day but but course, yeah no yeah. I I just didn't I just didn't approach it in the same manner for sure yeah and I don't think yeah. you should as an actor I, I right. I'm look I don't want to get comfortable um good constantly challenge myself and and um this was an experiment. I, you know, sorry, Marley, I experimented on your movie. Um, hey, it worked uh, out. Yeah, sure. It, it was, it was about, you know, not every, we, we, as actors, especially when you're new and I am still quite new. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only on my fourth show, I think, or something in 10 years, you know, this is all very new to me. Um, but, but, um, I, everyone has a method. I have a method and I was trained and I have something I can fall back on. I know how to get a performance out of me. That's, that's that mm. works, but why do I want to keep doing the same shit for 10 years? And I, I don't, I don't right. do that. Like I'm constantly improving as an, as an artist, as a painter, I'm always trying new techniques. Why wouldn't I want to do that as an actor? Um, it's an art and I don't want it to turn into paint by numbers kind of, Right. I just churn out checks and i allow the only thing that's different is the story i'm telling because someone else wrote it i've got to, i want to be different i want to try different techniques so this next exit was a technique of of acting from within and not mm-hmm. putting on all these extra costumes and ideas and layers but then the next job i did um was the fall of the house of usher and i decided to revert back to you know a a more character driven right you know whatever right who's gonna have to deliver probably some amazing monologues and stuff like that too that who knows we'll see yes yeah. um but yeah talking back to like oh, when you did quote tweet me i want to read it to you and see if you actually still agree with this you said that i truly believe every actor has that one role in them a character slash project that utilizes their life experience and showcases their strengths if i'm lucky enough to find mine i'll look back at this tweet with you and that's something that like really stuck out to me too, because you said that you're constantly challenging yourself and you're always um, seeing what's next, right? And you've fallen into this uh, great filmography of important stories. And that's the thing that really resonates with me. 
I love the scares. I love entertainment. But if you can also tell a very important story that can actually help someone, mm-hmm. that means the world to me. And with this movie, with Next Exit, I think it's going to touch a lot of people's heart because this is something that has to do with like, would it be family trauma, grief, loss, um, suicide? It's really mm-hmm. heavy stuff. And it does in a very delicate way, in a very respectful way where you do kind of need those genuine characters to come alive as just people. And if you see them as just acting, I think that's the thing that can kind of disconnect with someone. It seemed, like I said, very raw and very uh, real. And that's where it's like, "Ah, I love this movie. And the second watch, I was like, oh, I love this movie even more. You can like take more away from it because I like to go in completely blind. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is not a scary movie, but at the same time, it is a scary movie in a different aspect of like, world problems or internal feelings or or internal demons and what the main plot of this movie is and i kind of want to talk about like those themes because you've obviously worked with flanagan he's a big person on talking about these kind of heavy subjects too how do you feel about it and how does it like does it affect you is it something that you always look forward to in a role stuff like that um yeah mike's not around and here for jump scares and right. um, horror in the traditional sense. Um, but again, I'm not an expert on the genre, so I don't want to speak ill of the genre. I'm very misinformed here, but this is what I extrapolated from it. Mike's approach to ghosts and supernatural are more so about personal stories or about trauma. Um, mm-hmm. They're the haunting of Hill House and the haunting of Bly Manor are really the uh, shared traumas of this family nucleus in, in these houses. Um, they're the ghosts. Right. Um, and then you've got Mass, which is probably my favorite project uh, ever. Um, what's the, what's the, what's the horror there? It's cult. It's religion. Mm-hmm. It's, um, he yeah and and again i i don't want to sound like i'm smart like i'm not i'm i'm just a hired <laughs> hand i'm just very lucky that very talented people like me cuz i'm not i i'm not i, I you know, disagree to I, an extent i think you're very smart in the way of like <laughs> understanding projects and like ooh i but i, I, I work with to explain. You, but but I've, i'm i'm like look man my first showrunner Mm-hmm. My first show, my first showrunner and writer was Rob fucking Thomas. You know, Veronica Mars, like, right. If there's one thing, Rob Rob can write the hell out of, out of a script and dialogue and comedy. Like, that's his expertise. Right. And I honestly believe that um, anyone could pick up a Rob Thomas script and sound good. I mean it. It's like, as long as you know how to, it's like sheet music, as long as you know how to play the instrument. And act and stand on your sure. mark you're going to sound great you're going to be part of a of a symphony uh job number one so cool you know okay look i know i'm being reductive probably about what i brought to it sure i bought comedic timing mm-hmm. and all of that shit whatever but the point being was i was working with the best and then my second right. job was working with what people dub mike what the uh, the horror master basically he's yeah. like yeah so that's job, we trust. Mm-hmm. yeah that's job number two is that i have a guy who who's in his early 40s and already dominates his own genre right um 
and is seen as an as a savant um and he's rooting for me and setting me up with these amazing characters and scripts so i think the mark of a of me is working with a fucking dud um Mm. wait till i work with a dud with someone who doesn't know what they're doing and somehow I have to do it because I have to pay for a mortgage or something and then see if I can really act (laughs) when I don't have two of the best writers, you know, creating these characters. And I I didn't create Sheriff Asana. I didn't create Ravi. They did. I loaned them out, you know, and, you know, I chose certain things like, can Ravi have a beard and can he wear this? Right. The ever-changing facial hair, right? Yeah, exactly. And the same with Sheriff Hassan. Like, I didn't create him. In fact, Mike had to steer me away from choices I wanted to make that were terrible, you know? Um, Of course. So they just make me look, they make me look more talented than I am. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And that's that's a beautiful thing about like TV and movies. It's a collaborative effort. Um, And I always say in every single one of our podcasts is that it takes a whole village to make a movie or a TV show, like literally thousands of hands. And it's always a miracle when something's even made, even if it's terrible, even if it's released, that's incredible. The fact that it even got released. Yeah, it's a huge congratulations to everybody. And I think you, you bring a lot to the table too. And I think, Mike Flanagan keeps bringing you back because he sees something in you and I see something in you because I'm like, yeah, for sure he's going to win an Oscar. And this performance, even in this movie, is incredible. But uh, I just, I do have to wrap up. But I do want to say, like, people definitely should check this movie out. I think you did an incredible job in the performance that you bring to the table. And in my books, you're smart, you're talented. Keep, <laughs> keep killing it. Keep talking about Star Wars and Warhammer on uh, Twitter. I'm always going to be there for it too. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you, but is there any place where people can find you? Uh, and then just a quick thing. Yeah. Next exit comes out November 4th. So that's this week. Um, but yeah, where can people find you? Um, yeah, you can find me on socials. This, the usual stuff, same name, roll Cody 13, um, where I actively behave like nothing like my characters, um, (laughs) (laughs) probably get in the way of my work to be honest, but yeah, you can find me there. It's its own entertainment for sure, in a great way. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, thank you. No problem. Well, this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. My name is Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. It was a pleasure serving you.